Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 127 of the Far Bay Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Matt from Periphery discusses his first band, and I recommend Catalyst. But before all that, I welcome Trey Pepperton from Creeping Death onto the show. Creeping Death are one of the rising stars in modern death metal for good reason. They're able to combine classic death metal and modern influences into a refreshing sound. Trey and I discuss the band's new album, Boundless Domain, and how it was working with Adam D from Killswitch Engage and Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse. We're also talking about how to make death metal fun, covering my favorite Motorhead song, Texas Heaviness, and a lot more. So before we dive into my chat with Trey from Creeping Death, here is some of Intestinal Rap from Boundless Domain, which features George Corpse Grinder Fisher from Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> So we are talking about the new Creeping Death album, uh, Boundless Domain, which uh, I listened to in full the other day and I had a lot of fun with it, which also felt kind of weird because it's a menacing, brutal, heavy album, but it's still like, there's a lot of fun still within that. Do you guys feel the same way when you are putting together an album like this? Um, yeah, I think it's the main thing that we want. We want it to be fun, first and foremost. I think uh, that's like the... We always tell people we're kind of like a selfish band in the sense that we just like to write stuff that we want to play and listen to since we are the ones who have to play and listen to it Makes the sense. most technically. So, um, yeah, you know, we just wanted to make like a fun record. Um, I think Reese's lyrics kind of uh, are a little bit like sort of like dark and existential, in, but like in a, like a fantasy sort of fun way where you can like, you know, like you're playing dungeons and dragons or some some video game or something like that um but if you like really drill deep it's like sort of um a little bit sort of darker in that sense but i want definitely we wanted the music itself to be like heavy but also like uh like yeah like you said like a, a fun listen i i wanted specifically not to have as many like chromatic like we want to be just as heavy as before but not be as like sort of like chromatic like uh kind of like that we kind of wanted the riffs to have a little bit more melody something that you can like hum or like sing or something like that um so i think that uh kind of was like a main point when we were trying to like write and i think it kind of came through pretty well i feel like there's even a little twang on some of the solos like on cursed uh when you're working on riffs or solos and stuff are there some influences that might surprise people that you were trying to sneak in either directly or indirectly um i know for sure those solos uh one of them was aj's and then one of them was a guest solo from adam um so i i thinking i've I've talked to aj about it he likes to so like his solos are a lot of the sort of uh phrygian sort of like egyptian sounding solos or he likes to do straight up like pentatonic like rock and roll like solos so i think that's where like aj is pulling from from some of those um and then for me i just straight up do like the you know the fucking carry king fucking <laughs> that's the only that's the only shit i know how to do 
as you're um, rocking a Slayer hoodie at this exact moment. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, yeah, and as far as other music, um, or as odd like the, the riffs, um, you know, sometimes like um, I wouldn't say it's like you know inspired by like say the sound of like the type of music, but like you know, it's definitely like the like when I listen to hip hop or when I listen to like reggaeton or something like that, there's a certain like vibe that uh, like a, just like a straight beat will like give. And then I'm like, okay, like I'm in the car and you know, some songs you, you, you know, you bob like this and then some songs you bob a different way. And I'm just like, okay, like I want to have a beat that makes people like bob like this. Like I'm listening to, you know, fucking, I don't know, bone thugs or DJ screw or something like that in the car. Um, but like make it like metal so it's like a metal riff but it still makes you want to move in the same way that like maybe this like rap song i was jamming the other day would want sure you know so that's kind of the like the how you uh, we would bring in sort of like outside non-metal influence it's like definitely not like a sonic thing it's more of like a, a feeling kind of thing for sure and how was working with Adam? Because I know he's got a long list of producer credits, and now he's got another successful one with you guys, I think. Hell yeah, thank you. Um, it was fucking awesome, dude. Adam rules. Like, that dude, he's so funny. Um, he's, he's funny to be around. He's fun to be around. Likes to drink and hang out and party, just like just like we do. But at the same time, he's extremely meticulous. He knows what he's doing. Um, he, he pushed us, like, way further than anybody has, like, pushed us in the studio. Um, some of the best performance, I mean, the best performances we've had just because he wouldn't accept like what we would normally use as a take uh, for other stuff. Uh, it would just not be up to his his standards. So it forced us to to actually get better at all of our, you know, respective crafts, whether it's drums or vocals or any of the stringed instruments. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. And, you know, he's not afraid to, to, you know, bust your balls and play around with you. And we're the same way. We like to fuck with each other. So. It was just, uh, it was like fun all around, you know, and he knows what he's doing. He's, um, he knows a lot about just, um, you know, just like, like the theory of it, like uh, just harmonies and layers and what adding this will do and blah, 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 just like stuff like that, you know? So um, I think it was, his knowledge was definitely invaluable and definitely helped like shaped uh, the record for sure. Um, we gave him the demos like right before we went to the studio and I remember one demo in particular, his his notes completely changed like how the song kind of felt and sounded. So uh, from that moment, I was like, wow, like, yeah, like having to produce because we've had like, you know, people re like record us and like we ask for suggestions like in the studio from people. But we haven't had anyone be like, you guys should do like this here, like add this here, maybe put a solo here, like stuff like that. This was the first time we've, we've done that. So. Uh, I think it really helped and it was, uh, you know, it was came out great. And there's some like kind of almost proggy stuff at points in this album, like on Remnants of the Old Gods, there's a lot of spacey elements and some rhythmic shifts and stuff like that. Was that his doing or was that you guys just expanding and getting out there? Oh, yeah, that was that was definitely just us. I think all of the riffs were actually already written before we sent everything to Adam. He really just added like stuff on top of them or move them like around um i i think like uh and he had, would add like certain layers like hey, play this chord like here 
over this rift because it's going to fill out the whole like the sound of the whole thing uh, a lot of stuff like that for sure but like individual like riffs definitely they were all pretty much like written sometimes he would put in like input of like how he would like oh you should play it like this riff this way and, and like stuff like that but everything was pretty much already like uh written for the most part and was he how you landed corpse grinder for that song um yeah that and we have the same like management group like uh our manager is on the under the same like group that his manager is on or whatever so that was kind of how um he was like one of them in our uh, someone in our camp was like would you guys be interested in like a corpse grinder feature because uh, like you know we're on the same camp and uh yeah, we brought it up to Adam. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll text him right now." I, he's like, "He's a close <laughs> friend of mine." And so, um, yeah, like we, it was basically like two since like having two avenues. I think it was just like, "Oh, Adam hit him up and said something," and then our we have the same like management group. I think probably it was like some combination of like of that. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it was pretty quick. It happened in the studio. It was just kind of like, "Oh, you guys want to have him on a track?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure." And then uh, we were like, which one? And we already had Intestinal you know, Rat. Like, it was perfect. We were like, oh, there's no other one that we would even think to have him want him on. So it, it was like in a span of like three days where it was like, do you want this feature? Okay, he's going to do this feature. <laughs> and we're like, cool. <laughs> and uh, I think you kind of touched on my next question, which I don't know how involved you are with the, the lyric writing, but like, Reese, did he go dirtier, nastier, more gory, knowing Corpse Grinder was in, or was intentional rap written? Because you know your lyrics aren't necessarily wholesome and cute, but Cannibal Corpse—they're—they're they're dripping with blood. Oh yeah, there. No, it was already written. Cool. Um, Reese picked. Yeah, Reese picked out the, um, uh, like the verse that he wanted him on. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely not involved in. Hold on, sorry, I'm the dog. Okay, you okay. want? Go get sorry about that um first interview i had yeah. with a dog this is an improvement <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah no i i think um i know i yeah i don't handle anything about the lyrics i always tell people like lyrics are an afterthought even in the music that i like like to listen to like uh, my favorite songs in the world i don't know all the lyrics to it's just never been like a, a huge focus of mine uh but what what i do know is because i've had to answer this for for on behalf of reese a lot because they've told me that uh, this record, you know, there's a lot about sort of um, sort of like a man's like existential kind of threat to itself. Like basically we're all just kind of like circling the drain out of our like out of our own demise, you know. Um, so like, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a lot, a lot about that. But um, with like a fantasy sort of like twist like to it to kind of make it like not as i don't know like dark i guess it's kind of dark but like there's always like a sort of fantasy twist and reese is all like reese is half uh iranian so they once you know they like to read about history and stuff like that uh and they were reading about their you know ancestors and stuff like that and some of the brutal uh torture stuff and stuff like that and the stuff they used to do in, in war uh, uh so that's where a lot of the sort of the, the war aspects come and the, the really violent stuff. It's like coming from like that stuff. Uh, but I think the overarching thing is just like this stuff is like happening because we're like sort of funneling ourselves into it like happening, I guess. Yeah, you know? makes sense. So, 
Uh, in the press release for the album, you're shouting out some Texan bands like Mammoth Grinder, Iron Age, Power Trip. Uh, when it comes to Texan heaviness, a lot of people know Pantera, The Sword, Drowning Pool. So I feel like you're making a point to shout out these other Drowning bands. Drowning Pool's from? Dr- yeah, dude. Drowning Pool's from here? Look, Shit, I, I actually did not know that. I used to be a big Drowning I, Pool I, fan, so that one might just be for me. But yeah, they're from Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever bothered to look up where Drowning Pool was from. <laughs> you know, but that's cool. As I ask this question, as I prep it, I'm going to quickly Google that to make sure I'm correct. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Where are uh, they? What part of Texas? Let's Google that. Oh, why can't I spell drowning pool? There you go. They are from Dallas. What? Corner Wikipedia. Yo, how did I not know that? How did I not know that? That's hilarious. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. it's fine. I, I just don't. <laughs> no, let's talk about drowning pool. They're, uh, they were first on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so is shouting out of these other bands like really important to just kind of break the mold of what people imagine Texan metal is to you? Um, I just think it, you know, like coming from like, the hardcore kind of side of it. Like, I, I think there's always been sort of a, a a reverence towards the kind of the bands that sort of help build it up and sort of like, uh, you know, make it sort of like what it is. Like before at a certain point, you know, before like Iron Age, it, it was kind of at like a, a little bit of a lower point. From what I know, I wasn't there. This is what other people tell me. And then sort of... Um, the band, like the people who would go on to start Iron Age, like they would be playing in bands and basically like, you know, a lot of those cats like Tarpy and Wade and uh, all of them uh, were really ushered in sort of the all, the wave of people that kind of would come and do things, you know, like, you know, they, they were the first ones to bring Power Trip on tour. Um, they were, you know, yeah, so it's just like we, we it's just in, I feel like in Texas, it's just very important to sort of not uh forget what came before and also to like you can like recognize that like it's also really fucking good and you you can actually pull stuff from it and apply it to the style that you want to have in your own way and it's going to sound like its own thing and i think that's really cool and unique that you can do that from like a core set of bands you know you can throw bitter end in there too um absolutely and there's some other ones that are from that era that were definitely seminal to the to sort of the sound that a lot of people are sort of pulling from, I guess. Um, but like I said, I think it's cool that you can like you can have two bands that say like like I am like, I, you know, Tom is a huge friend of mine. He's definitely um, told me they they're have some power trip and uh, Iron Age influence on them. But like on the same tip, it's like we're definitely not pulling from the same style of stuff same with uh tribal gaze it's like i know Q, like q is a good friend of mine he said yeah mammoth grinder like iron age pyre trip all of that is like huge and they're writing as well but it doesn't come out sounding exactly the same because everyone is sort of pulling from something that's kind of uh i don't know unique or special from them and i think that's pretty special in and of its own self that like you can do that with basically four or five bands from the same state and while it you may not sound exactly like each other, it definitely lends to having like a kind of a style, you know. Sure. And you guys have covered uh, Iron Age and Power Trip, according to Setlist.fm. Anyway, how is it covering people you know, and how do they react? They thought it was sick. I told uh, I told Nick uh, like way way before we were doing it, just because you know we're in a fantasy football <clears throat> like I'm in a fantasy football league with Nick and Blake. And um, obviously Blake is in fugitive with Lincoln. So like we're all, we're all 
like pretty close. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hit him up. I, at first he thought I was, I was joking and I was like, no, we're actually going to do it. And he's like, Oh no, dude, that's, that's awesome. He's like, if there's anyone that would, you know, I would want to do it to be like my friends, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, it was cool. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And basically we were just like, don't fuck it up because like if we fuck it up then they're going to make fun of us forever <laughs> they're gonna fucking let like i could not have that be fantasy football group chat fodder Oof. like fucking that yeah song up so <laughs> <laughs> That was some of Bloodless Contamination by Creeping Death from their first album, Wretched Illusions. I'll have more Trey from Creeping Death in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere in this episode. Matt Halpern from Periphery discusses his first band. <clears throat> so my very, uh, let me think about this. Let me make sure I'm, I'm saying this right. My very, very, very first band I want to say was a cover band and I don't even remember if we had a name. It was at summer camp and we did covers now. So that's like the very first time I played music with other people. My original band, like my first like original band was an instrumental progressive rock slash progressive metal band that sort of took its sound from bands like dream theater, rush, Devin Townsend, you know, this is going back to when I'm like 13 years old, probably listening to all these bands. So it kind of makes sense that I'm in periphery now, funny enough. Um, and that band was called, <laughs> it was called, I don't even know if anybody's going to be able to pick up the spelling of this, but it was called Talk Belang. And uh, it was named after when my, so short side story, when my father was in the military at his base, I believe, um, they, I don't know the, 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 the details, but he and his team somehow managed to acquire a baby tiger and they helped to raise a baby tiger. And the tiger's name was Tak Belang. And I don't know the details or why, but when I had this band, we thought that would be a cool name. So that was the name of the band. You might be able to find the music out there. Oh, um, fun challenge for some listeners. <laughs> Yeah, T O. I think it, so. It's two words: T O Q B U L A N G. Um, if my if my former bandmates are listening to this, they might be able to um, also send me music that I could post out at some some point. But you know, we recorded ourselves. Um, maybe we did record the drums at a studio, um, but we were, we performed live a couple times. But it was a lot of fun, and like those guys were some of my best friends at the time, and um, they were older than me, and they took me under their wing, and it was just a great experience for me to like be able to use. Um, a huge drum set that I had acquired parts, you know, for, for years and, you know, play like my idols at the time, which were, you know, the Mike Portnoy's and the Neil Peretz of the world. So um, it was cool. That was, that was, I haven't thought about that in a while. So that's a good question. Thanks. Uh, yeah. I love hearing people squirm. Some people sound stoked about it. You're one of the like happier people I've, I've uh, 
had answered that question. Uh, yes. Think of it fondly. Last uh, time I did an episode was with Pete Jones from Haken, and he similarly was in an instrumental prog thing, and they performed at school assemblies playing Dream Theater covers, which seems crazy to me. So, uh, yeah, I love when people are happy about it because usually it's like I covered Green Day and I don't want to listen to it ever again. I uh, I understand. I've covered Green Day many a time and I've covered Dream Theater many a time at school assemblies, both. So um, <laughs> I can relate to that. So Very I get cool. it. Uh, the, the cover band when you were at camp, what kind of stuff did you guys play? If I recall, we did like Bush and green day style stuff i don't remember exactly I, I know we did a bush song um i can't remember which one at this time All but right. maybe the little things actually now that i'm thinking about the little things that kill i don't know if that's the name of the song but i remember i remember the lyrics but anyway um yeah we played stuff like that and you know i grew up listening to all sorts of music and, and playing all sorts of different styles and um you know again just like the dudes from hawken uh, or Haken playing uh, Dream Theater. I play Dream Theater too, and go figure, we're now in progressive yeah. rock and metal bands, and I guess it all adds up. Periphery 5, Gent is Not a Genre, is out now, and you can get your copy and see what the band's up to at periphery.net. Now, before I conclude my chat with Trey from Creeping Death, here's a bit of The Common Breed from Boundless Domain. Uh, last year, you guys also covered Motorhead uh, in the name of Tragedy. How was how did you guys land on that song to play? Um, that was actually a suggestion by our manager. Um, like he's um, the big he's a big Motorhead guy. AJ is a big Motorhead guy. Um, I think Reese became like a really big Motorhead guy after that, and then uh, I think Lincoln like like pretty much likes it, and then I think Eric likes it too. But I was uh, I was like. It's not like I don't like Motorhead. I do like Motorhead, but I'm like out of everyone, probably the least familiar. So I I was just like, you know, I knew the bangers, but like all of obviously all of those had been pretty much taken by people who were way bigger than us. So uh, our our manager who was like, he knew the deep cuts. Like he's like, like this this album came out like in 2005, and nobody really talks about it really, or like they don't like. But this song has this like album has like bangers and i think it lends to your, you guys' style a little bit more than some of the other older ones so yeah that's kind of like how, how he was like do this one and we were like cool we listened to it we we're like yeah I, I was like i know what you mean like i know what you mean by that so it's like we'll we'll do that one and then um we just kind of made it our own spin like we played i think we played it slower like just like a little bit slower mm-hmm. and um kind of made it a little bit more like like dirtier like heavier head banging kind of like that um but yeah, fun fact, like I was actually not on that recording because I I decided to, so we recorded it at Psycho Las Vegas, right? So 
they went and recorded it at the studio when we got to Psycho, and I went to the casino and got drunk with okay. our uh, merch guy. <laughs> I was kind of, I was like, kind of an asshole. But we got there, and they were like, "So, did you guys like? So, like, how much of the song did you learn?" And I was just like, "I was supposed to learn the song, <laughs> so I just never, I just never learned it." And so AJ admirably recorded all of it, and so did Eric, and then obviously uh, Lincoln and Reese. But yeah, they killed it. I was not a part of it. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, my compliments to them. Uh, I agree with your manager. That is my favorite Motorhead album. That is my favorite Motorhead song. I love Motorhead too. Yeah. yeah he said. He said that one is really slept on. He was mm-hmm. like, "Yo, this record, like, is you know, it's more recent. So I think that's why people don't really talk about it." But he's like, "This record has a lot of fucking tracks." And I was like, "Cool." Yeah. And then the song he picked, I was like, I'd never heard it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a dope song. Like, I fuck with it." So cool. Uh, you've got a lot of dates coming up and you just got off a pretty hefty tour where you open the last run, but you're about to do some headlining. Uh, other than the set length, how do you guys differentiate going out on tour these ways? How do you prep differently, I guess? Um, or do you? I guess we just, I don't think we do. I think we just kind of try to get our ducks in a row as much as we can before we leave. And then we just cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like um, we, uh, I mean, like our, we just order, we just do more of things, like order more merch, uh, order more packs of strings. And we just try, I guess the big difference is we try to be more prepared as the headliner so we can like not have a shit show of a tour. We want it to run smoothly for for everyone. So I guess in that sense, you kind of have to have your shit together a little bit more before you go out. Uh, but we generally try to have our shit together before we go out because we don't want to leave a bad impression on people in the same time. So uh, we just try to operate it best as we can. Just things try to go as smoothly as we can. So, um, you know, that includes uh, like trying to do things without procrastinating. We've been better about that as the, the years have gone on, for sure. Uh, if the photos I've seen of you guys playing live are to believed, you have a habit of kicking very high. Has that ever uh-huh. gone wrong? Either for you or for somebody um, near you. Um, no, not too. I haven't fallen yet. Knock on wood. Uh, I think the worst thing that happens, like me and Reese have like bumped into each other. Like I've landed, and then Reese is like taking a step, and we just like bump into each other. But I, I haven't knocked Reese over. Um, I almost kicked um Lincoln's China symbol one time. Um, or I did kick it. I almost kicked it over. I kicked the China symbol one time. I guess that was the the worst that's happened. Uh, but. Yeah, usually I'm pretty good about like my my spatial awareness. At least at least I try to be. Like before we before we like play or, or like while we're setting up, I try to get like uh, uh you know like a, a radius of where I'm like okay I can operate in this space like safely and comfortably without fucking anything up. So oh, that's, that's good. I try to do. That's a very adult way to go about it. Um, <laughs> on the Metal Archives website you were pictured playing bass and it notes you playing bass a few other bands i've seen photos of you playing drums so of all these instruments which came first for you uh drums came first uh i learned drums when i was like 12 uh my mom was a drummer um she's also into metal um and and stuff like that uh but also into you know stuff like funk and r&b and jazz and all sorts of shit. I had a pretty like diverse musical kind of listening growing up as a kid. So um, it was just listening to drums of different styles and, and stuff like that. Um, she's a huge Rush fan too. So uh, she gave me the, uh, or she let me watch her copy of the 25th, I think it was the 25th anniversary 
of the YYZ, uh, like the drum solo part in that DVD. And it was like, like it was crazy. I was like, I want to do that. And she was like, all right. And then she bought me like a drum set like later on, like that year when I was like, like I said, like about 12. Uh, Woodlet so, yeah, users? I, you know, I, huh? Woodlet users? No. <laughs> she, <laughs> well, I, I, like, I wanted my own because she, she, I wanted to play like my own style. Like okay. I, I wanted the double kick pedal. Like I wanted all this stuff. And she had just a single kick pedal, just like more, you know, traditional drum set stuff. And I wanted to do the heavy, like rock and roll, like heavy metal kind of like stuff. So I wanted, I definitely wanted my own like kit for sure. Um, but yeah, I also did um, drum line and like percussion for, for like three years in like middle school, like in early high school. Uh, and then I, I quit for sports and, but I, I think I got a good enough foundation in those few years that it helped me to not only learn drums, but I kind of applied it later to, you know, learning guitar when I was, I didn't learn guitar until I was about 20 years old. So, um, came a little bit further down the line. And I guess that's when, uh, technically when I learned bass too, it's just, you know, I, I'm not really a bass player. I, I'm really just playing third rhythm guitar most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, yeah, I've uh, I've been trying to start a project uh, that's more of like a '80s sort of like um, kind of like not kind of like '80s pop kind of where I play bass and I've been trying to like play like actual bass. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen, come to fruition at some point. But yeah, I'm not really like a classically trained bass player or anything like that. I just kind of pick it up and play. <laughs> So since you have a hand in all, you know, guitar, bass, drums, could you see yourself doing a solo thing where you're doing everything like a Prince or an early Foo Fighters? Um, probably not. Like my brain, for whatever reason, just like doesn't like, I like, I like I if I sat and wrote a whole song beginning to end, it would probably be a lot more boring. Uh, as if uh, instead of like letting someone else like give their ideas like i even if like i was doing it all by myself i would probably have one or two people that i trusted that i would be like hey listen to this what do you think what do you think about adding like this yada 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 like i just don't wouldn't like i would just second guess myself too much sure um i would just be in two in my head to just do it all like by myself for sure all right man well thanks for coming on the podcast uh this is a lot of fun like the record um i'm gonna go ahead and kill the recording uh recording stop Boundless Domain by Creeping Death will drop on June 16th via MNRK Heavy. Get your copy now over at creepingdeathtx.bandcamp.com. Now to conclude this episode, I'm going to recommend the Belgium band Catalyst. They are a melodic and progressive death metal band who formed in 2018. This September, they will 
finally be releasing their debut album, The Age of Rocketeers. From the album, I am presenting you a track called Solace. The band's PR says the song is a challenge of the artificial intelligence craze, while it was also being impacted by the vocalist's mother facing an illness. The result is a heavy, dark, and very cool track, which you can hear in its entirety right now.
If you want more from Catalyst, you can find all their stuff over at catalystbelgium.com. There you can find all the social media accounts to keep an eye out for more on the Age of Rocketeers this September. Then, as always, I would like to invite you to head over to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in a band, you can hit me up to be on the show. You can find links to all my stuff, including my new show that I am doing with the Twitch hero Danotage, where we are covering the Fast and Furious saga a minute at a time. It is an undertaking, but it is a fun undertaking. And if you go to the Friends page, you can find the link to that. Then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strap Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Meter Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.